1: Hello and welcome to It's a Fandom Thing. We are continuing our celebration of Pride Month with a look at John Waters. And I've been telling everybody I'm very excited for this because I remember a couple of years ago, we recorded our cult films episode, which we need to do another episode like that again. Um, And no one else on my panel of cult film lovers, cult film lovers, liked John Waters. And I was very ashamed of my panelists
0: (laughs) (laughs) I I was like seriously
1: nobody else likes John Waters and I'm like great nobody likes John Waters we're never gonna do a John Waters episode and then cut to me meeting my lovely wonderful podcast brain twin Jen from my streaming bubble and finding out that she loves John Waters. And I've already done an episode covering John Waters with her on my streaming bubble. So we'll try not to repeat everything we said on there, but go listen to that too. So please go listen to that episode and a couple others that we've done, much of other episodes of hers as well. It's a great podcast and Jen is amazing. So I'm very excited to talk about John Waters again. And I'm very excited that one of my panelists actually has taste.
0: Just (laughs) kidding, I love you all. (laughs) have the best taste no (laughs) yes
1: jen has the best taste though i love all my panelists but jen has the best taste of all of you (laughs) i still just can't get over that it's been two years and i still can't get over the fact that i was the only one on a cult films pot i don't know it just seemed very weird to me and everybody's like yeah he's not really my cup of
0: tea i don't know like okay (laughs) That's so bizarre to me. I almost don't know what's worse. Like if people have never heard of John Waters or have heard of him and still are like, nah, pass. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I know.
1: No, I agree. My mom is not the biggest fan of his. I know that. She did listen to our episode though, because my mom is one of those. I want to want to say something. I don't know if my mom will end up listening to this one too. But whenever you start a podcast, one of the first things you're kind of told by other podcasters is that no one that, you know, none of your friends, your family, they're not going to give a crap and they're not going to listen to your podcast. <laughs> I know that sounds harsh, but it's true. Most of them mm-hmm. will not listen to your podcast, which I try and listen to all my friends' podcasts, but that's just because I'm a better friend than everybody else. <laughs> you are, yes. <laughs> no, but but I, I, <laughs> I love podcasts, so that's probably why. But it is something you learn. But my mom she listens a lot there are some that she won't listen to or some that she kind of just listens to the beginning she's like this is not for me but she listens a lot and she listens when I'm on a when I'm a guest on other podcasts as well. So my mom is an amazing supporter I mean my grandma is a supporter too but my grandma doesn't quite understand podcasts so she's never actually I think she's heard a little bit that my mom played but my grandma still thinks that people have to pay to listen to. <laughs> Oh <laughs> <Grandma>. I, <wish. laughs> I wish I was making that money no shit but you know she's, she's in her 90s so love my grandma but yeah she's very impressed by it and I'm like yes it's very impressive <laughs> anyway <laughs> that's so awesome yeah so even though my mom is not a fan she still listened to when I was on my streaming bubble uh-huh. She, I don't think she listened to Psycho Beach Party yet, but I know she listened to the Finn Wittrock one too. So <laughs> she tends to. It's because it's me. It's not because mm-hmm. it's because of Jen. No.
0: <laughs> hey, that's not quite all right. I'm not picky. I'll take a listen. I'm kidding <laughs> for whatever <I'm> kidding. reason.
1: <laughs> but anyway, so I do have Jen here. as Hi. listeners can hear. Obviously, I. There were a couple other people I really wanted to have on too. Not that I don't love just doing one with Jen, Bless editing wise, it's a breeze. But unfortunately, because I'm kind of stupid and I plan a lot of the end, you know, it's pride month. And so a lot of people are doing things during pride month and can't ever go <laughs> on podcasts. So maybe one year I'll record these way in advance. That'll never happen. But anyway, <laughs> I'm a planner, but I I don't have the time to do that. So... Jen, though, before we dive into John Waters, (laughs) what are you into right now
0: in pop culture? Dive into John Waters. (laughs) I love you you for that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, well, as always, thank you again for having me. I always love being a guest on your podcast. And okay, so what have I been... Okay, well... I just finished rewatching season four, part one of Stranger Things again. So, cause the rule is, is when a new season of Stranger Things drops, I burn through it and then I'll rewatch it with my husband. So I finished watching it with him last night and he liked it. And I think he really felt like a connection to Eddie (laughs) because, you know, kind of similar types, uh, (laughs) high school, you know, wise, but so stranger things and then i also started rewatching the series as a whole cuz i'm like i'm like i'm i'm rewatching the first 3 seasons with all that season 4 information and mm-hmm. trying to like fill in some of these pieces uh before part 2 drops so i'm like super excited and i'm actually recording my stranger things episode with my friend laura and she was my very first guest on my podcast, where we covered Stranger Things Season 3, which feels like forever ago, because it was. It was. (laughs) I'm really excited to get to that. And uh, otherwise, trying to stay current on The Boys, Obi-Wan, and I'll probably rewatch Shorzy for the third time soon. (laughs) So I'm just, like, loving all the new stuff. There's still lots of other things I haven't gotten into yet, which I will uh, once... I kind of satisfy these other tv needs <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay so i don't know what
0: shorzy is i've seen you tweet about it but i have no clue what this is so shorzy is a spin-off series from Letterkenny. kenny was a character just like a side character uh on the series Letterkenny, and you never saw his face he always had just always talking shit and so it's really been kind of interesting and fun to see because they really had like this two dimensional character. And they at first I was like, I don't know what they're going to do with this character that all he does is talk shit. And it's hilarious and it's great. But um, the they did an amazing job really kind of fleshing out this character and making him so he's not just some shit talking asshole. I think there's a bit of heart in there. But it's a Canadian series. It's Shorzy centers around hockey, hockey players and stuff, whereas Letterkenny, it's kind of uh, groups of people you kind of maybe see in these smaller Canadian towns. It's got like the Hicks, the Skids, which are like the goth slash druggies, uh, the, the hockey player jock types. So it's just the writing for both series is amazing. I love them both so much. They are, I think, very different in their own ways, but very similar, very like familiar feels to them. And they're just, they're hilarious. And I don't get all the Canadian references and that's fine. I don't need to, to still enjoy the series and the acting and the writing. The writing is amazing. So they're really like, Shor-Z's, uh is only like six episodes, 20, 25 minutes. So it's a pretty quick watch if you if you have the time I know you're very very busy so (laughs) but it's just it's fun it's kind of you know it's fun it's light it's funny uh Shorzy's does have a lot of lot more like indigenous actors and characters and they're not just side characters they're people like in positions of power calling the shots and that's just that's just nice to see and and the one actor, I can't remember his name, but he plays uh, Sanguinette. And he's just so adorable. I love him to pieces. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking forward to a season two. I don't think it's been announced, but I'm sure it will be. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs>
1: yeah, <'cause> I'm like, <laughs> I have no idea what this is that she keeps tweeting about. But I'm happy for her being happy. So. <laughs> yes. And, and I did like the first part of, of the new season of Stranger Things. I will say you know my biggest upset with this with that show is i used to love hopper so much hopper was like my favorite character and then i hate i don't like him anymore season three ruined him and so you know that whole storyline i was like bored to tears i have to say uh, for him and joyce i was just like whatever but I think there are some amazing moments. I think the moment, I won't say for spoilers, but set to Running Up That Hill by Kate Bush is, I think, the best moment the show has had, period. I think it was incredible. And yeah, and I did karaoke last night and um, and we had like a private karaoke room. And Susie, frequent panelist, was there and she sung that song along yeah. with
0: else too so
1: (laughs) yes it's a great song it's a wonderful song anyway but yeah that moment was was amazing so
0: oh i loved it it was (laughs) i i i all all i'll say is i fucking loved it and it still hits just as strong as it did the first time watching it like the second time watching it hit it was just as like impactful
1: yeah yeah it was pretty it's pretty incredible well, I'm not into Stranger Things. I did. I still love Stranger Things, and and Steve is still the best character on the show. And the, it's amazing how they what they did with that character. How he went from the worst to the best it's, that's the best character growth I have seen on a, on a television show. Honestly, because it was so natural. And anyway, hundred um, percent agree. Yeah, and he wasn't supposed to last. He was supposed to die in like the first season, but they liked the actor so much and the character that they didn't do that thank god but i have been watching a very very happy docuseries on hulu called the deep end and it's all about spiritual guru teal swan Who this lady uh trigger 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 big trigger warnings for suicide uh sexual abuse all this stuff she um just go look her up. I'm not going to say too much, but the reason I give those trigger warnings is a lot of what she talks about is relating to suicide and her um stuff is I don't think good. But it's all I'm going to say. And this is kind of like a lot of people say she's like a cult leader. I think she is. She is in this like she had this documentary crew following her around and i think she's such a narcissist and i think she thought it was going to be this positive thing about her and it's not and she's very angry now but she has like millions of views on youtube and yeah and i had never heard of her before and somebody mentioned this one um in response to another true crime i think it was actually mj who's uh, who's been on here before as a panelist and yeah it's it's intense though so it'll make you very angry she's a she's an awful person in my opinion, but I watched it and it makes me scared because I know a lot of people that would easily be like, okay, I'm going to, you know, fall for her stuff. So I I won't say much about her except for just watch it, but beware of those triggers and they do give you them beforehand, but just beware of that. Okay. So let's kind of lighten, let's lighten it up a little bit after I mentioned that (laughs) heaviness. Uh, with John Waters, so first, and I know I stole this question from Jen. This one I know I stole. I'm pretty positive. <laughs> but, Jen, what was your
0: first introduction to John Waters? Oh, so you did steal this question, but that's okay. It's an important <laughs> question. It's an important question to ask people when talking about John Waters. You know, it's it's like the meme of, like, you judge people on who they know Tim Curry from. <laughs>
1: Oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot about that meme. We should cover Tim Curry. Oh, yeah. Um,
0: (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, that was weird. Um, So I think I was trying to remember and I it's got to be one of like the 90s, uh, the more mainstream ones, either like Cry Baby or Serial Mom or Hairspray. So it was somewhere Around the time those three movies came out, I saw one, I want to say probably Cry Baby because I, my huge mega crush on Johnny Depp for most of my hormonal years. <laughs> um, And then I think from there and just kind of learning about uh, John Waters and everything and his, his style, uh, I saw then eventually saw like the other 90s ones, Cry Baby and Hairspray. And then uh, a little bit of like kind of the later one, Cecil B. Demented. And uh, I had heard of Pecker, but I didn't watch that really until like we did uh, the episode for my podcast. But uh, and then I had heard of, you know, Pink Flamingos and like the early, early stuff. So it was interesting to watch those for the pod prep. And they are, they are very, um, Visually impactful, where I was like, I think I'm good. I don't think I need to rewatch those. <laughs> so, but I did watch a few that I didn't get in the last time uh, for my episode. But yeah, so I would say, uh, yeah, probably Crybaby is the most likely answer. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. And I, and I, you know, it would be between that and Hairspray, but I'm pretty positive it was actually Hairspray. That was my first one. It was definitely not his first films it was definitely not the films that i think i I think he has more like quote-unquote mainstream films and then ones that are not definitely not mainstream (laughs) films which are his earlier stuff so yeah it was definitely i'm pretty positive it was hairspray but it could have been crybaby too. and and you know I'm, i'm not a john i'm not a johnny depp fan at all anymore but i was i really really was and it was because of crybaby though that's that's the thing is it wasn't before crybaby i went and saw crybaby and i actually was not necessarily a fan i hadn't i wasn't watching 21 jump street or anything like that and then i became a fan because of crybaby so <laughs> so it's a little bit different but i was i was kind of obsessed with that film in a way i was a big big fan of that one so and we'll get into that one a little bit here but yeah, I would definitely say hairspray probably. And I had it like on VHS, like recorded off the TV though, you know, like VHS. An mm-hmm. Nice. And I watched that one a lot too. And I know a lot of people hate on the remake, including Jen. <laughs> 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 but I actually like it. So, you know. <laughs> I'm sorry, but I do.
0: I, I just I prefer the original and that's well, yeah. Yeah. There's just something about John Travolta that as Edna Turnblatt, that's just kind of nightmarish and I didn't care for it.
1: <laughs> no, I, I understand. I understand. But I mean, I would, I would like to see it on stage, the stage version. Sometime. Oh yeah. Just, I think that would be interesting, but yeah. Okay. Well, let's talk about that early career. Cause these were the films that really pushed the boundary and, you know, he's said, you know, he, Prides himself on being like a master of filth and like the, the what what was that that was said in that that thing I sent to you? No, I can't remember. The Godfather of filth, pretty much. So, yeah, something, something like, like that. that. Yeah. So he prides himself on this Pope of filth, I think yes. I've seen also. Yeah. Yes. So he's very happy about this. I mean his um, his movies like Multiple Maniacs, Pink Flamingos. Of course, is one of the biggest ones. that's known Female Trouble bunch of others really pushed that envelope and did really gross and disgusting things <laughs> quite frankly. <laughs> yes. and embraced really weird and out there characters. And John Waters has always, always embraced actors. We'll get into divine shortly here, but always embraced actors and people that are shunned from society in a lot of respects and are considered outcasts. And of course, you know, LGBTQIA is definitely part of that because um, John is an out gay man, um, but he did, does, he's always embraced people that society turns from. And that's one of the things I've always appreciated about him. And I think his early works, especially, were not for everybody. And he knew this. I mean, you know, somebody eating dog shit that actually was dog shit is not going to appeal to everybody. <laughs> No, not really.
0: Surprising, huh? I know.
2: such a
1: shocker. It's such a shocker that all my other panelists on our cult Movies episode didn't like John Waters, I guess. I should have known. <laughs> so, Jen, I know some of these you watched for the first time in preparation for the episode that I did with you on your podcast, but what are your overall thoughts on his early films and that more pushing the boundaries of filth? So I have to say, like,
0: I don't know, I only John Waters could make those movies and have them be disgusting and vile and gross and you know offensive and hard to watch, but it's still but still done in in a way that's kind of like so lovingly and Mm -hmm. like even though they're not for everyone, the fact that like three of them if not like four, are part of the Criterion Collection, I think says a lot. <laughs> yes. I, I I appreciate them and I respect them for what they are and what they've done uh, and how they've contributed to uh, the world of film and filmmaking and that pushing the boundaries and that gross out and everything. Don't know that I'll go back and necessarily need to rewatch any of them <laughs> anytime soon, but I just, I can't think of anybody else that could Get away with that. Get away with those images, those writings, those off-the-wall storylines, these wild fucking stories. Getting his uh, his actors and his um, the acting troupe that he always worked with, the Dreamlanders, I think they were called. Mm-hmm. Um, that they they were just like all in as well. Like I don't. Who else? So there's something very magical about him to make these movies and have these movies then be. Respect- Enough to be part of the Criterion <laughs> Collection, which still just blows my fucking mind, and I love it because I think that also shows that they're not super like pretentious or anything. You know that they they will respect all forms of art in, in film, media, and, and everything. Mm-hmm. But I love it. I mean, I don't, <laughs> I don't love it. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to watch someone eating dog shit or uh, being assaulted by a giant lobster or weird sex scenes in churches and stuff like that or like yeah um (laughs) but I think there's a lot there in the fact that he had the goal to like show all that and push those boundaries you know would we really have any of these other kind of gross out or you know I I just he I, I feel like he paved paved the way for that kind of genre or that kind of filmmaking Mm -hmm. and set the standard and show how you can make disgusting movies, but do them like very well, even like, like a good campy, you know, like not like Oscar well, but like just done where everyone is, they're all in. And so you can tell, you know, no one's really like kind of holding back or whatever. They're, they're all in at least enough for those scenes. (laughs) Yeah, I just, uh, I don't know what else to say. I'm just kind of rambly because I'm just like, it's still Criterion Collection. I know. It's (laughs) awesome. I'm just going to scream that over and over. (laughs) So, I mean, I really do think that that says a lot about these movies, uh, those earlier works. So uh, I did get in Desperate Living, which I didn't watch uh, for the last time. Mm -hmm. And out of that Because I think that's one-third of the Trash Trilogy. Yes. I actually really liked that one. (laughs) There were still a lot of parts. I was like, ew, gross. I don't like it. Uh, It's icky. But it makes me... It's like that icky that makes you giggle. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, oh, no. But you keep watching. (laughs) So that one, I did really like Desperate Living. That one, I may watch... Again, sometime in a couple of years. <laughs> in a couple of years. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I love what you said about, um, you know, that even though these there's gross out stuff and there is quote unquote filth. These are filth films. There's a lot of love there. I mean, he loves the people he works with. You can tell. He loves the weird. He loves the outcasts. And that's why i think people who love john waters love john waters a lot of those people feel like outcasts or have felt like outcasts at some point or another and john embraces those people or doesn't judge those people you know that's i think that's the big thing is he doesn't judge people in the way that society normally judges people you know and with these films that's very clear. I mean, yes, there is stuff in here that, for me, the hardest thing to watch was in Multiple Maniacs when the guy's licking the armpit. That, to me, was more disgusting <laughs> than anything else. And and the reason is, is I just kept thinking, okay, does that person have, like, Deodorant remnants are there? Other things are getting on their tongue, and I'm not to kink shame because everybody knows I will never kink shame. Not me, so not to do that. But it's just like not my thing. So I is just kind of like ew squicked me a little bit Mm -hmm. more than probably almost anything else in his movies. I'll be honest. (laughs) (laughs) There's something about that that just really ew because I just keep thinking about that like. Tasting deodorant or like lint or I don't know. <laughs> no, that's I get you though. <laughs> I'm I'm grossing Jen out just yeah. talking about it a little bit here. <laughs> but these movies, you know, for me, I will say honestly, and maybe this doesn't make Jen and I like the big devoted John Waters fans, because I know there are a lot of people that argue that this is more John Waters than the other stuff he did and there is that kind of argument there but for me his more quote unquote mainstream stuff is always going to be more appealing to me Mm -hmm. but that doesn't mean that I don't appreciate what he's doing here because what he's doing here is, is he's pushing boundaries he's telling people it's okay to push boundaries you don't have to do every movie doesn't have to fit a formula and every movie doesn't have to have actors that fit a formula. They don't all have to look the same. They don't all have to look like Barbie and Ken, for lack of a better, you know, synonym there, better way of phrasing it, because I think that's what he was doing. I mean, a lot of these actors were not were not getting cast in other things or would have a hard time with that. Or, you know, he always embraces people that aren't necessarily a size two. He's always been like that. And that's pretty amazing. Or people that are in the community he of course embraces that and is very open about that and so i think that is what you can appreciate about anything he does personally is the fact that he has opened a lot of doors for people that never had doors open for them before and i know a lot of people that have worked with him have talked about that and also a lot of people that are in the mainstream and have worked with him you know, or were in the mainstream, I think they had a lot of fun, or it was like some of the most fun they've ever had, because they were able to be so weird and different, and didn't have to fit that movie star mold, and so that's what I really, really appreciate about John, is that, and he's just so weird, but in a great, wonderful way, he's so, I mean, I honestly, really, I've got to work on a way to have this happen, but I would love to interview him, because I've listened to interviews with him and he's fascinating and he's Mm -hmm. so smart. I mean, he is one of the smartest men I've ever listened to. He's brilliant. I mean, really, he's Mm -hmm. just incredible and sweet. So sweet. And, you know, that's why I was hoping to have Tyler on here and Tyler's actually met John and I don't know how long he met John for it. I don't know if they had like a long conversation or anything, but I would have loved to have, you know, heard stories about that if he could share any of those, but,
0: yeah, so god how cool would that be just to be in the oh same room as John Waters and breathe the same air as John Waters and just like be I'm within proximity. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> no,
1: I think that would be amazing. It's it's one of those he's one of those people that I would just be like in awe of to be able mm-hmm. to be there and be in the room with. So, yeah. yeah.
0: Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check.
1: Extensively with Divine until Divine sadly passed away. And Divine was, I think, John's biggest muse. Um, you know, kind of his other half in some ways artistically. And there's a great documentary that was on Netflix. I should check and see if it still is about Divine. And of course, John Waters is on there too, of course. And it's a great, great documentary. And I'll have to look up the name of it. Why didn't I write that down? I, I think it's just it. I am divine. That's right. Thank you. It's called I Am Divine. So hopefully it's still on Netflix. I will look and see if it is. Uh, But if it's not, it's worth it to rent it, to go to your local library, see if they have it there. (laughs) I'm saying that for (laughs) Jen.
0: That's right. Support your local library, folks. (laughs) Because, you know, sometimes you just don't want to pay for a movie. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Your library has it. (laughs) And then also just supporting
1: your local library is a good thing Mm -hmm. to do. Uh, it looks like it's on Tubi right now, which means you will. or But you can rent it for $2.99 on Prime, which means you will have to deal with weird commercials. Although Tubi, I have to say, even though they have weird commercials in places, they haven't figured out the algorithms right.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Tubi is actually great for finding movies that other places don't carry. So I will give them props for that. And I understand why they have to have ads because revenue and they're not charging you anything. But I wish they'd figure their algorithms
2: out. So that's so weird.
1: (laughs) Agreed. But go watch that and learn more about Divine, because Divine was amazing and an amazing artist. And it's very interesting watching watching that and learning more about their relationship and Divine's relationship with their parents and stuff too. So so what are your, I know you love Divine too, but what are your overall thoughts on Divine and Divine in the canon of John Waters movies too?
0: Oh, I love it. I mean, could you, could we really have John Waters movies without Divine and could we have Divine without John Waters? <laughs> they go, they just go hand in hand, like chocolate and peanut butter or something. Or <laughs> I don't know why my brain was like, like vodka and lemonade. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> vodka and (laughs) lemonade huh it's one of my favorites um (laughs) it reminds me of summer uh and i got the sun shining on me now anyways um they were they're a great team and when i was watching uh yeah desperate living or uh is that yes desperate living uh because divine's not in that because divine had other uh contractual obligations or whatever and so it was kind of that that is the one thing I missed about that movie was that there was no divine, and mm-hmm. kind of knowing which character divine was supposed to play, uh it was just like, oh, yeah, would have fucking killed it, obviously, but so it's it's um I just I love the way those two worked together. I love that John has always referred to, especially in the documentary, several times, I think, he refers to Divine as his muse. And I think that's just so lovely and so beautiful that he, and this other human, that they've crossed paths. I can't remember exactly how they met, but that ever since then, that they just, they clicked. And that it wasn't just some you know, gorgeous starlet or some Mm -hmm. handsome Hollywood hunk in jeans or something. It was a large man doing drag, um, you know, as the divine character. And then that's what they worked with. And that's what they kind of, what he kind of like wrote some of these parts for, for divine. Mm -hmm. And I just, I love that because it goes again with what you were saying about John embracing and supporting kind of the weird, the non-traditionals and and everything, and really just making that the star out of Divine. And then in watching the documentary, finding out that Divine just really wanted more, wanted to be in more movies and not as Divine, mm-hmm. but as a man. And I, oh, it's so sad. It would have been really, really interesting to see where that career could have gone for him. So um, that's a shame, but I... Like I said, you can't have one without the other. They're one of the best filmmaking teams, I think. And I was going to try and get in Lust in the Dust, even though it's not a John Waters movie. It is a Divine and another Tab Hunter movie, Uh, but wasn't able to get it in. I did put it kind of lower on my list since it wasn't John Waters, but just kind of reading that John was asked to direct it and he turned it down because he didn't write it. I thought just was kind of I loved that. I was like, <laughs> he doesn't want to direct someone else's vision or mm-hmm. he doesn't want to put his name to someone else's story. And I I get that. That's cool. But it would have been I, I would have been curious to see, like, had John written that story and directed it with Divine and Tab again, how that could have turned out. I'll I'll watch Lust in the Dust because there's something about the whole Western feel. <laughs> That really intrigues me. And I don't care for Westerns, but I I really want to see that one. (laughs) (laughs) But again, but again, and then, then, you know, that's a divine movie with no John, but, and then just to see how that would have compared to divine's works with John. So Mm -hmm. there, I miss them. I miss, I miss that, that team up, that duo. They were so perfect together.
1: Yeah, they were, they were like a family. They were, you know, just very close, I think. And, you know, when you have someone like that artistically and you're working artistically, you know, with Divine being John's muse for so long, you know, and and it's not that the films after Divine died aren't great as well. It's just you can feel that there is that loss still. You still can feel like, Oh, I wonder what this film would have been like if Divine had been able to be in this one, if Divine was alive still. And I'm sure for John, it's got to be, also feel like a part of himself is missing, a part of his soul and his heart and his creativity, his muse is missing. Mm-hmm. And so, I I mean, I, I would love to, that would be part of what I would love to talk to about. You know, I mean, I'm sure he's talked about to death and he doesn't want to anymore, but that kind of thing of like, what that's like when you lose part of your creative team and part of your heart really um and you can you can I don't want to say you can tell that cuz I don't think the quality of films go down it's just you can tell there is a little bit of something missing there's a little bit of heart missing there not that there's not heart i just I just mean, like, there's just a little, like, a piece of the puzzle missing there, and it's not quite completely together without without divine,
0: you know. I completely agree. It's like, like you said, it's like a piece of the puzzle is missing, and, you know, a lot of puzzles, they're cut from, like, the same laser planner, you know, whatever. So it's like, you're missing the one piece of the puzzle, so you take another piece from a from another puzzle that happens to fit, and it works, but it's just, it's not... The piece that you need. It fits, it works, it completes the picture, but you can tell that something is still just a little off. You still love it, but it's just, like you said, something, a little something still kind of missing.
1: Yeah. 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 But really go watch that documentary. It's really, really good and really mm-hmm. interesting. And it gave me a whole new appreciation for everyone really. Mm-hmm. So Absolutely. yeah, I definitely, definitely recommend that. And it's always... And have- Oh, I was going to say, and have tissues handy. <laughs> yes. Because <laughs> <yes>. you'll cry. <laughs> yes, I agree. I was going to say, it's always funny when I see, you know, you see older John Waters with his long hair. It always cracks me up because I'm so used to seeing his little, little short hair and his little pencil mustache. Mm-hmm. And so seeing like that long hair, is, <laughs> it just always
0: throws me every time. <laughs> it's a trip. It's yeah, it goes against like what you're used to. You're like, oh, no, yes. but okay. <laughs> Yes, I I prefer the short hair, but
1: it's 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 sweet. It's the very young John. So, but (laughs) yeah, yeah. So let's move on to his more quote unquote mainstream works like Hairspray, Cry Baby, and I even would consider Serial Mom more mainstream. Um, And there are other movies that came after these that I don't think I think are kind of in the middle. Like I think Cecil B Demented is more him trying to go back to a little bit of his earlier stuff same with well, pecker not so much sort of but you know and then like stuff like lowdown dirty shame i think in a way was also trying to go back a little bit to that filth stuff but i think those three cry baby serial mom and hairspray i think are his three mainstream ones is how i kind of would classify them and i know hairspray was the big was the first thing for john that was a big hit And was critically acclaimed and got divine a lot of attention, which is why it's so sad that divine passed like right around that time. Mm -hmm. So it would have been interesting to see. But, um, so I know you love all three of these. So what are your overall thoughts on these? And then if there's a favorite among those three, I know you asked me this on yours. So I'm asking (laughs) you too
0: on that line either I'm just throwing it in there for you oh shit um curveballs no (laughs) careful she's got gotcha questions no I'm just kidding um (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I would think okay so I love I love hairspray because you know just that overall kind of message of You know the racial inequality and you know the the segregation and everything it's you know so you've got that which is very so these these more mainstream ones these top three are the more you know like yeah palatable ones so it's doesn't really surprise me that like hairspray has kind of like that racial plot line to it that people i think probably were drawn to and Debbie Harry. <laughs> <Yeah>. And Blondie. <laughs> um, so I, you know, obviously I like that. They show some, a couple of beatniks and, you know, some special cameo beatniks. And then, so that one's kind of, I feel like that's an easy one to like is Hairspray. Um, Ricky Lake is just adorable in it. And then, um, what's his name? Seinfeld dad, uh Or not Seinfeld, um, but um, Stiller. Ben Stiller. Nope. Jerry Stiller. Jerry Stiller. Ben Stiller's (laughs)
2: dad. (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) Um, I got there eventually. (laughs) So I think Hairspray, is like I said, is an easy one to like. It's got, you know, the the dancing show and everything and trying to be on TV. And so it does kind of make you want to get up and do the twist or do the roach or whatever little dances that they've got going on. Crybaby. Because of my giant crush on Johnny Depp, and, you know, you've got, like, the drapes versus the squares, I fucking love that because I always loved, you know, like, the bad boys and the motorcycles and the black leather jackets and everything. And then you've got uh, Susan Tyrell and Iggy Pop, and Iggy Pop's naked in a bucket, and that's just fucking delightful as all hell. (laughs) And so I really, I think that one I felt a bit more drawn to when I was younger, because I kind of, even though I wasn't at all like a drape or anything, I I felt like maybe inside I was like, I I was a drape sympathizer. (laughs) (laughs) But I I love, I just, you know, love the outcasts and just kind of like that, you know, that, that group of people in society. And, you know, I love hatchet face and sometimes shook up old ladies gets cuts. (laughs) One of my favorite hatchet face lines. (laughs) Um, And then, then serial mom, I think, I feel like maybe that one might've been the last of this trilogy that I, I saw, but I can't remember exactly. So don't hold me to that. But seeing, uh, uh kathleen turner someone that i'd only known from you know like quote air quote like real hollywood movies uh play this role of uh what was her name um i don't remember we are doing really great today. we're, this is, we're <laughs> fucking nailing it but to see her play this character and then see her play opposite of john waterston as the husband and seeing, cause I've only know, ever known him as like Jack McCoy from law and order. So this was like, what is happening here? And it blew my mind, but I, I love serial mom so much. And I feel like as I get older, I appreciate serial Mom more. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying I'm going to go run over my kid's principal for any silly serial mom reason or bludgeon my neighbor with like, a ham steak or something but <laughs> there's times where i'm like huh <laughs> what would cereal beverly Sutcliffe. Su- yes something.
1: i was gonna say beverly i was about i didn't want to interrupt you but yes beverly no, that's all right um
0: but yeah it's like what would beverly do <laughs> now which one do i love is a favorite god that's really hard you're welcome uh <laughs> <laughs> you know there's there's that kind of nostalgic attachment to cry baby but again like i said there's the the appreciation of serial mom more and more as as i get older plus a young matthew lillard how adorable is he
1: yes he's so
0: cute and he's works at the video store like that super small indie video store he's a horror movie buff like how can you not fucking love that (laughs) and then just the way that her case you know towards the end gets like sensationalized like that is so real life and then um yeah ah. i think i'm still gonna go cry baby because even though that one's the musical i love the songs i love all the songs like please mr jailer uh willem defoe's weird random cameo in it oh i just thought of a never mind <laughs> I was gonna say a six degrees of Finn Whitrock, but nope. I was I I was like, nope, that's a Nicolas Cage one. My bad. <laughs> oh my Lord. <laughs> I'm just the best guest today. <laughs> okay, sorry. But yeah, crybaby, final answer. <laughs> that hilarious. I'm sure there's there's
1: there's a Finn connection to William Dafoe, too. I'm positive. Probably. <laughs> Uh, well, like I said, Hairspray was the first one I saw, and I, and I love Hairspray a lot. I think Hairspray, of all three of them, is the most main, main, mainstream, because I think it's something that, you know, I was a little kid when I saw it, and little kids can watch it. It's not like, you know, I mean, it's not like really, really out there. It doesn't push a lot of boundaries, and I think that's why that one became the most – I don't think it was the most critically acclaimed, but it was became the most – mainstream like hit kind of thing because yes thank you that's because it you know you could have little kids watching it and adults liked it and i think that's why it also became the one that became a musical although i'm sure crybaby could have been that too because it already was but i think that's why because it was more um mainstream the most mainstream album and it was the first one that was and it's the first time, of course, that John Waters started working with Ricky Lake, who became another big thing for him. And she's in all three of these that we're talking about of these three, and she did become a staple as well. And she also was not the Hollywood type. She was, you know, she wasn't size two. She wasn't, you know, the quote unquote Hollywood attractive. But John always embraces that and still gives those people. A love story. I mean, she has this amazing love story. And I was telling Jen, I found out some trivia because I was wondering whatever happened to that actor. And it turns out he left acting. Like he became like a, a pastor and worked like with inner city youth and in in Harlem and all that. And he was like, I'm just done with business, didn't even care. So it wasn't like he couldn't get jobs anymore, he just quit the business. I just thought that was a really interesting. Mm-hmm tidbit of trivia there but you know it's like john finds her attractive and finds the beauty in her and that most of society shuns and i'm sure for ricky Lake, she speaks very highly of john waters and i'm sure for her at the time being so young and being in in, in an industry that doesn't embrace anyone who isn't a size two really or doesn't fit this weird standard of beauty that most people can't reach, even the people that supposedly reach it have a hard time with it. I'm sure for her that had to be just absolutely amazing and life affirming. And, you know, especially to be viewed and to be filmed as someone who is desirable and who is sexy and attractive And it's another thing to appreciate and love about John. And you really see it in in hairspray. And you see it in Crybaby a lot too, Mm -hmm. with Hatchet Face and and Ricky Lake's character in there too. And you know, because Hatchet Face is thought of as not being attractive, but the but her boyfriend loves her and thinks she's the most attractive, beautiful woman in the world. And she even though she comes off as very tough and strong she's very sensitive and vulnerable and you know it's that kind of stuff and then also with crybaby you have um tracy lords who every i mean very famous stuff with tracy lords that she was very very abused in the adult film industry and stuff and you know for someone in that industry to cross over to mainstream films is very rarely done and it's very rarely done in a way where people aren't looking at them like trash mm-hmm. and John doesn't look at her like that. So I'm sure for her, that was also an amazing, beautiful experience to have too. And I know what I know, it, well, I know it was, I know it becomes like a family. They all become like a family. And for me, cry baby was like, like I said, I was like kind of obsessed with this movie And I made my poor mom, speaking of my mom, I made my mom drive me to go see this movie in the pouring rain. I remember it was just pouring, pouring rain because it was in the summer. And drove me to go see this movie that I'm sure she could have cared less about this movie. (laughs) (laughs) But I loved it. And the whole opening and the teardrop. And I mean, it's like, I, I watch it now and i still love this movie but i watch it now and i'm just kind of like oh my gosh because but to me it was so sexy mm-hmm. it was like the sexiest thing and i still you know everybody knows black hair uh, leather jacket mm-hmm. that's still my biggest weakness so he had that and then singing and the music it's just like boom 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 and you know for me these characters later on in different de- decades would become like, you know, beatniks were basically an offshoot of this. And then I think later on when you had goths, that's an offshoot of this, too, I think. So, of course, I was more attracted to people like that and wouldn't be attracted to the squares at all.
0: <laughs> no. no, thank you. Too much khaki. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yes. Yes. So I, I love that one a lot. And then, um serial mom <laughs> i this this one, I think, is the best, as far as like written, the best performances, the best everything overall. I think it's the most well made of the three, honestly. um, and Kathleen Turner, she has said this is one of her favorite experiences she's ever had doing a movie, And you can tell that she has mm-hmm. had so much fun playing this character. And just the way she delivers little lines, like whenever she's doing the prank calls with the, <laughs> <laughs> and she gets so giddy about it. It's like, you know, and when she gets so, she's writing all these serial killers in jail and all this stuff she's doing and how excited she gets to watch horror movies with her son, yet she doesn't, you know, yet there are certain things she can't, handle, she won't stomach have to still have that perfect suburban stuff but at
0: the same time she's like let's watch the goriest horror movie ever mm-hmm. <laughs> she's like she sits down she grabs her remote she's like oh yeah let's watch that part again yeah. she's <laughs> wide-eyed like a child like a kid in a candy store just excited you gotta love it <laughs> yes yes and the fact that you know she gets off and of
1: course in um in that one of the jurors is patty hurst and then, of course, that scene where Patty Hurst is wearing white after Labor Day. <laughs> She's just like, you can't wear white after Labor Day and kills her. And mm-hmm. it's just like, <laughs> it's just like the most ridiculous and out there thing ever. And it's like, it's a family, though. And I know I mentioned this on your podcast. This family, though, really loves each other, even though they're kind of afraid of Beverly, but they still really love her. And the sex her and her husband have. <laughs> the
0: funniest that's why it's like jack mccoy you guys law and order fans like this just it was weird
1: and they were so loud and so like bouncy because <laughs> <Yes. laughs> it is that like prim and proper and then that or when one of my favorite scenes in the movie is when beverly's on the run from the cops and they go to, like, that um, – The what was the band? Was it L7? L7, yeah. But They go to the L7 concert, and she's, and she's, she's up, up, up there, and she's, like, and her husband's down in the crowd. She's, like, oh, and she's plugging her ears. Like, oh, it's so loud. And she's just, like – she's on the run from the cops, and she's just, like, all merry and happy, and she even takes time out to, you know, try and kill somebody. And it's just, like <laughs> – She supports female artists. So, (laughs) yeah, it's just so fun. But so I just I love that one. And I do appreciate that more rewatching it. You know, like I think that one is so well done and so well written. And Kathleen Turner's performance is so incredible. She is so dang good in that movie. Mm -hmm. And so it's hard not to pick that one. I mean, because it's really between that and cry baby as my favorites and cry baby same as Jen is kind of the nostalgia feel, but just to be different, I'll say serial mom <laughs> <laughs> just to be different I, I I don't I don't know if that's what I said on your podcast now. I can't even remember now,
0: but I'll just say that just to be a little bit different, <laughs> fine so much for podcast brain twins no (laughs) but you know we talk you you talk about how in in serial mom beverly loves her family and in watching all of these movies then and even some of the like i watched uh polyester today yeah and and it's like these people like as wild and out there as these characters are I think that's kind of one thing that can be said for a lot of them. Not all of them is that they love their family, you know, in uh, polyester divine. She's happy to have her kids back and they've mm. gotten the help that they needed. And, <laughs> Jesus, and They've run over people and it's fine because they're together. I like, I really liked polyester. I, I almost feel like polyester is kind of that, like, missing link between the early filth and the mainstream stuff it's that stepping Mm -hmm. stone between the two because it's not as out there as his first set of movies and it's but it's not as like toned down filth wise as you know hairspray crybaby or or serial mom there's still elements of those there but we don't get the visuals like we did in in the (laughs) other ones (laughs) Uh so i thought that was kind of in in watching polyester i was like this is kind of really interesting when in in the scope of his movies and kind of watching that progression from his early works of the 70s into the 80s and 90s and so i was like huh because what polyester was like early 80s i think like 80 or 81 Mm -hmm. So it's not technically 70s, but but yeah, I kind of was starting to pick up like there's there's a theme of family, love, acceptance, even in Desperate Living, even though like the queen hates her daughter and everything, the community of Mortville loves each other enough to overthrow the queen. <laughs> <laughs> and in Desperate Living, I had like with the queen storyline, it just gave me like vibes of uh, like Marie Antoinette, you know, like the story of Marie Antoinette, but pulled through the lens of John Waters which I thought <laughs> I don't know that maybe it's just me but I I really loved it because I also really love that movie too Marie Antoinette. But yeah, just that theme of family and that acceptance because yeah, he accepts all his freaks and weirdos and everything and they're all together and they all love and and care for each other and fight for each other and in the movie these characters kill for each other <laughs> or each other. Uh, <laughs> so it's it's a very it's kind of like the first time I really kind of noticed that underlining theme through nearly all his movies. So I think, yeah, just that love, that loving of each other.
1: Yeah, no, it's very true. And it, and the family isn't always biological, you know. In Cry yes. Baby, you've got a lot of found family and a lot mm-hmm. of and in multiple maniacs and stuff like that. That starts even there where you have that found family, and where it is very much that can be an even stronger bond than you will have with your biological family. And that is a theme. And I think that's because that's the way John is with the people he works with. I think they, they've all said it's like a family. They're all family coming together. They protect each other. They love each other. You know, they embrace each other. And so I think that comes through with all of his movies is that you do have that, that theme there, whether it is, your biological family like in serial mom or in polyester you know even if your son is obsessed with foots to a degree of breaking them <laughs> <laughs> even if you have that to deal with you still love your family <laughs> Yep. you know and if, even if your mom is a serial killer <laughs>
0: that's right she's serial mom and she's our mom <laughs> so proud
1: (laughs) so that is a big theme and i think that's something that a lot of people can relate to a lot of and especially the found family thing because a lot of people you know with us releasing us around pride a lot of people in that community are you know abandoned by their family kicked out by their family treated like crap by their family you know you have stuff like that goes on in hairspray you have stuff like that going on in crybaby And throughout where the biological family shuns their child for not fitting into what is supposed to be the heteronormative world. And so I think having that family thing and embracing people, I'm sure um, John being, you know, growing up as a gay man, especially in the time period that he grew up in. I mean, it's hard now still. I'm not saying it's not still hard. And especially with certain things going backwards (laughs) instead of forwards. Mm -hmm. But back then, it was even harder and illegal and all this stuff. And so he took a lot of chances. And I'm sure a lot of the themes with the family are because he found his family. Mm -hmm. And he
2: might not have had it. So I think that's what's so beautiful about his movies and about all the people he works with. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.
1: So I just want to talk a little bit about that, about his embracing of the weird and the outcasts and how important that is to either you personally or um, to the broader community as a whole.
0: I mean, I love it in a in a world and in a society where quote normal is what's accepted and is what is expected to have this skinny man with a pencil mustache come in and be like, the weirder you are, the more I love you. Come here. You are my daughter. You are my son. You are my child. Uh, One of my favorite stories is from the set of cry, uh, yeah cry baby and it's on mm-hmm. like the dvd special like commentary or whatever but the feds had come to uh, arrest or take tracy lords away and she was very you know very scared very worried very nervous about it and kind of afterwards they all went around and shared their this is the, the time i got arrested story and helped put her at ease and it's like one, well, the fact that everyone had a story is—it's it, almost like a prerequisite to, <laughs> to work with John Waters. It's like he's got his little checklist. It's like, yeah. have you been arrested? How many times? And for what? Okay, you're hired, and you're the lead. No. <laughs> <laughs> so, I think it's really important that you know we have a writer director that's puts these quote weirdos, uh you know, instead of on the back burner up front and center stage, gives them a voice, gives them a story, gives them love interest and fleshes that like makes them real people, real characters because they exist. Oh my God. So shocking. So I think it's really, I think it's so important that, and, and especially the way he does it so lovingly, as we've said a thousand times by now, but that, that we have that and that people can, go to see his movie and probably see maybe a little bit of themselves in maybe this character or that character or relate to a situation maybe not exactly but just that kind of overall feel of it so i think that it's we we definitely need more of that so we can kind of get that representation on screen of It's okay that you don't fit, quote, the norm because you will always be, someone will always accept you. There's a family Mm -hmm. out there for you and they're just waiting for you and you're waiting for them and you'll find each other and it will be beautiful. I think that's the most important thing. And I think that everyone can relate to that. You know, I think you know, even if you're like the pretty popular kid at school or whatever, you might feel the pressures of having to maintain that and wanting to maybe diverge from that or whatever. I think you can still find solace uh, in a John Waters film and find a way to relate and be like, oh, and validate it and feel validated in what you're feeling uh, and and thinking. And I think that's important. And like I said, it's who else is going to do it better than John Waters? I don't, I don't know who, but we definitely need more folks to step up and give it a try.
1: Yes. So well said. Seriously, that was really, really (laughs) well said. Because I do think, I think, you know, for me personally, always feeling a little weird and a little bit You know, out of the norm and not really like didn't know how to fit into normal. So I still don't know how to fit into quote unquote normals. Like my nightmare is going to like, you know, regular with people that are quote unquote regular. And this happens. So it's all I have done this. And, you know, being like, what am I supposed to be talking about here? And the small talk and then the talk that, you know, it's just that feeling of not feeling like you fit in anywhere. Mm -hmm. And, John knows that and John embraces people that don't fit in and that don't um, fit that stereotype and that cookie cutter image and everything like that. And not only does he embrace them, it's like basically like I will take you in when society has shunned you. So you can watch these movies and feel like even if you, even though you don't know him personally and you're not sitting there with him and you don't have his number or anything like that, you can feel like, well, I think if, if no one else will get me, at least John will get me. At least John will embrace me. At least Mm -hmm. John won't have a problem with who I am and wouldn't judge me. And that's a pretty amazing and special gift. And that's the power of art. I mean, art is amazing and incredible and can make you feel like you are not alone in the world when you feel alone in the world. And I think At his core, I think that's what John is trying to do with his movies, is say to people, hey, I know you haven't had a voice ever in your life, and I know you feel alone in the world, but here, I'm going to give you this little bit of entertainment, and in here, you will probably see that what I'm saying is, yeah, you may be weird, you may be different, you may be filthy, quote unquote, but I think you're beautiful, and I think you're amazing, and that is the power of film and the power of John Waters in particular is being able to give that, give voice to people that don't have a voice and people that don't have a voice that are watching. And yes, his movies may push the boundaries and they're not for everybody. I'm not saying they are for everybody, but I think that wonderful message is lovely and important and I think we need more of that now. I mean, I don't think we have very much of that right now, personally. (laughs) You know, Mm -hmm. and Waters isn't really out there making movies, sadly. (laughs) Um, So we don't have that voice and we need that voice, I think, now. I mean, I'm not saying there aren't creators out there that are pushing the boundaries because there are. But we need more of that and we need more people that are there to be like a surrogate family in a way or present that or say you're okay just the way you are. And I don't want to change you. I think you're beautiful and I want to embrace you kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And that's the beauty of of him and his films. And, And just who he is as a person. When you watch him in interviews or he used to host the Independent Spirit Awards and nobody has been able to do it as well as he did because he's just, he's so himself. And it's not That I mean, he doesn't give a shit, but it's it's not just that that makes him so great to watch. It's the fact that he is not standing up there like, I'm John Waters. He's standing up there like, I'm John Waters, and let's chat, or let's talk about movies, or let's talk about this, or let's celebrate the weird. And so he's just, I don't know, he's like a friend. (laughs) He feels like a friend when you watch him. He doesn't feel like out-of-touch or out-of-reach kind of thing, you know? Mm -hmm. I I think that's a beautiful thing with him. So that's why I I miss him hosting the Independent Spirit Awards and watching him do that kind of stuff because at least you got that every year and then he stopped doing it. But yeah, he was like a part of that. He was like an integral part of that awards show. So maybe it's because the Independent Spirit Awards, I still like them, but (laughs) Sometimes they don't feel as independent spirit mm. to me anymore. So- I get you. <laughs> when you ones that you're like, really? That's, I don't, know. <laughs> I don't The criteria is how much it was made for and all that stuff. I'm not, I don't know. I don't yeah. know. Anyway, for another time. But- <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's part of the reason he um, stopped doing it. But plus it's, I just think that's a lot of hard work to host an award show anyway. So Oh, sure. Okay, well, was there anything else you wanted to add really quickly since it, before we get to our
0: our new segment? one like back and forth from Desperate Living and it's so fresh because I just watched it today. But um, the character Mole, it's towards the end when they go to overthrow the Queen, and Mole's like, Hold it right there, you royal asshole. And then the queen fires back with, get out of my chambers, lesbians. <laughs> and the way Edna Massey delivers that line. <laughs> I rewound it and I laughed so <laughs> fucking hard. It's just, oh my god, it, it was hilarious. I, I, I love John Waters, I love his contributions. Um, I don't necessarily like not they're not all my favorite, but I respect the early works for what they did and what how they've kind of set the stage and for that kind of genre. Um and I and it, it is a shame that he's not making movies anymore, but he seems to be popping up in uh, random like TV spots yes. here and there. So I know he's uh, going to be, he's in like a an episode or a couple episodes, like in one of the seasons of The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, which I haven't gotten to yet. So it must be season four or five. But So I'm really excited to get to that because I'm like, what is he doing <laughs> on this show? <laughs> <laughs> but I... So it's always a joy when he does pop up in these things since he's not making movies. And it just he makes me smile. And I I just I love him to pieces. And uh and no spoiler for uh, Stranger Things season four part one, but there was a, a kid who was like making a movie with his sister, and yeah. she's like, you know, playing dead and like choke, you know, like she got her throat slit and she's like, Aah. and this kid is that like, you know, those old an old crank camera of like the 80s but he's got like this tiny little pencil mustache and my husband's like is he supposed to be like a little john waters fan and i was just like first of all yes and second of all (laughs) like i love you you understood that reference (laughs) so which I just think is neat. You know, I, I actually don't know if the kid was supposed to be, but I mean, who else rocks a pencil mustache and is a, directing someone whose throat has been slidged? Yeah. <laughs> so just the fact that even in in that series, there's that tiny homage. I'm saying it's it's John Waters. I don't give a shit. It's that tiny homage to him because of not just the time period, but I think, how can you not, man? It's John, I don't know. I love him. I love you, John Waters. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes, yes. <Yeah. laughs> we both love you a lot. Uh, yeah, not much else to add. I think Jen said it perfectly. But yes, we, we love you a lot. And thank you for your art. And thank you for everything you have given to people. And I know your work means a lot to people. So thank you for that. And um Yeah. So now it's time we still don't have, I want to say, we still haven't heard from anyone wanting to create music for Finn Rock for six degrees of Finn Rock, because Carla has written the song. So I guess I'm going to have to go and find some music. Um, But if you do want to do that, you'll get credit. And you know, I can't, you know, I can send you some merch (laughs) if you want to cover some music to go along with the six degrees of Finn Rock. I mean, Finn, don't be ashamed. You can you can you can also submit music. It's perfectly fine to it's love okay. yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I know you've been submitting some uh audience guesses, guesses, <laughs> 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 some audience connections, uh using some pseudonyms. I know it's been mm-hmm. you, Finn.
0: <laughs> He's such a fan of himself. <laughs> 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 I mean, I understand, so. (laughs) Yeah, there's nothing wrong with loving yourself. So if you'd like to love yourself some more.
1: (laughs) Sounds so dirty. (laughs) I didn't mean to do, but um, go ahead and slide into our DMs. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, help create some music for your intro song. Or if anybody out there wants to do this, DM us, email us, contact us through the contact us button on our website and we'll get, we'll kind of like throw some, maybe I'll have Carla send me some of the lyrics and I can put them as a sample out there and you can tell me, you know, contact us if you all of a sudden get inspired to put some music to it. But we're going to go ahead and play. And I know Jen will play. So because <laughs> mm-hmm. Jen's part of my Finn crew, so I know she's mm-hmm. going to play. We did a whole episode on her podcast about Finn Whitrock, Rock. So you know, um, so we're gonna be playing six degrees of Finn. So Jen. Mm-hmm. Give me those six degrees. Give me those six degrees.
0: <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, here they come. So I all right. So these this first set is really easy because I kind of I kind of cheesed out and I got there through Law and Order SVU with Matthew Lillard, Sam Waterston, and John Waters himself. So Matthew Lillard was in Serial Mom. He was also in an episode of Law & Order SVU, as was Finn. Not the same episode, but... So I don't know if these are going to completely count, but I do have others. Um, Sam Waterston is obviously uh, Jack McCoy in Law & Order. And, of course, he shows up in Law & Order SVU. Love crossovers. Uh, And John Waters was in an episode of SVU. I think his... I think it was credited as just, like... like um. Pornmonger or something <laughs> and i was like oh that is so perfect of course he was <laughs> and and finn was in an episode so i again probably not the same ones so stepping outside of the law and order universe uh with the hairspray remake the 2007 version it has uh james marsden who plays uh cyclops in the x-men movies and in x-men days of future past uh, with evan peters who is in freak show with finn and then cecil be demented with steven dorf he was in public enemies with christian bale who was in the big short with finn and i'm done <laughs> and also with our unofficial mascot christian yep. f and bale <laughs> I thought about that, too. I was like, should I write effing Bale? <laughs> so that way I say it. <laughs> and I was like, oh, she'll love this one if it's not on her list.
1: <laughs> it's not. So none of those were on my list. So I'm using Matthew Lillard, though. Um, so Matthew Lillard, of course, was in Serial Mom. And he was in this movie called The Descendants with George Clooney. And George Clooney, of course, was in ER. He was in two shows called ER, by the way. <laughs> I don't know if everybody knows that. Yes, there was a comedy ER and then the drama ER, of course, mm-hmm. later. And Finn was in an episode of ER. So there you go. I don't I yeah. think he was in an episode of ER. It might have been after George Clooney left. I don't know. Yeah. But there you go. And then pointing out again, because Meg would want me to point this out. Meg was also in
0: public enemies. <laughs> I thought about that, too, when I wrote it down. I was like, I'm not going to say it.
1: (laughs) And then I go and say it because she used that. She used that as her. She's like, I am also six degrees away from Finn. She's just one degree away from our unofficial mascot. So I don't know why she hasn't gotten on the phone to Christian and like, hey. (laughs) Right?
0: She's dropping the ball.
1: (laughs) I know. Get on that, Meg. (laughs) It will happen someday the whole world is going to know when this happens <laughs> oh yes <laughs> i'll be like will you be our official mascot now
0: not <laughs> the un official hell yeah yes. i don't see why he would say no i mean i know i mean i'm sure he was listening in january oh totally <laughs> he I'm was sure. probably very confused he's like how am i on a live stream <laughs> <laughs> but yes. i'm sitting here <laughs> very good there Jen
1: you started doing a little bit <laughs> of <laughs> yes yes and if you would like to play oh you know what I'm going to ask you really quickly and I should have put this on here because you did this when I was on your podcast last but if you want to since you mentioned William Defoe and you started doing a six degrees of, <laughs> of Nicolas Cage because Jen plays that on her podcast six degrees of Nicholas Cage. So go ahead and give us your six degrees of Nicolas Cage then for John Waters.
0: Oh, okay. So let's see. So uh, Crybaby has Willem Dafoe and Willem Dafoe was in Wild at Heart with Nicolas Cage. There you go. Very <laughs> quick. Because <laughs> 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 I think I had that one for, um, I think, maybe it was, it, it, I just edited episode. I, I know I've used that path before. So um that's why it was still super fresh. <laughs>
1: <laughs> there you go. And we can always use, you know, to get Finn to Nicholas Cage is pretty darn easy. Because of course, once again, this is how this all came about because of Susie suggesting it too. But it came about because Finn Whitrock's cousin was one of the writers of um The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent, which go watch that if you haven't it's oh, amazing. God. it's, it's okay. incredible. And so when I had said that to Susie once again, that's how it came out she like we should play six degrees of Finn so
2: <laughs> so' okay.
1: there yes yeah, so they're connected. everybody's connected. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. But if you want to play the audience version of six degrees of Finn wit rock, go to our website. it's a phantomthingpod.com. Click the page. It's literally titled Six Degrees of Finwit Rock. Submit your choices. This month, we have Queer as Folk, which, like I've said, if you go back and listen to any of our episodes, you'll get connections from me. My panelists let me down big time and didn't play. But <laughs> <laughs> love you. Love you all. <laughs> um, but go listen to those. You'll get a bunch of connections. So you get that one for free. And then, I mean, you don't have to pay for this, but, you know, you'll get that one without having to do any work. And then Orange is the New Black, Moonlight, and then Brokeback Mountain. And once again, one of those movies is one step away. I gave the hint on one of our queer Folk episodes, and I'll give it again on this one, that the movie that he is one step away from, the movie that he was in, he was the token white guy. <laughs> <laughs> It's I know what you're
0: talking about.
1: <laughs> yeah. I don't like, know what I'm talking about when yeah. I say that. <laughs> <laughs> there are only a few other panelists that will actually know what I'm talking about. But anyway, but go there. It's free to enter, and we will randomly select someone in the first week of July that will win some. It's a fandom thing, merch. This is something that's going to be going on for the foreseeable future. I will say there might be some times where we'll have to do it a little bit differently, like on our next episode. and Christian Bale Month we will since they've been in a movie together. So we'll have to we'll have to change that up a little bit here. Um, but it's a lot of fun. I'm glad this is a new segment, and I can't wait till we actually get to have the intro song <laughs> make it all the more better. But we're gonna go ahead and close out. This has been a lot of fun, Jen, so I enjoyed talking about John Waters again. So, if you want to tell everybody where they can find your amazing podcast, My Streaming Bubble.
0: So, um, yes, I thank you again for having me on today. I any excuse to talk about John Waters is a, a perfect reason to talk about John Waters. So, thank you for letting me just babble on again. I I love him so much. <laughs> uh, you can. Listen to the podcast on pretty much any podcast player near you. No one needs a Pandora. And you can follow me on uh, on Twitter at Streaming Bubble. You can find me on Facebook and Instagram as My Streaming Bubble. New episodes drop Sunday mornings at 7 a.m. because I want to get that church crowd. Just kidding.
2: (laughs) That's
1: that's the real demographic that was Jen.
0: That's right. That's, those are my people.
1: <laughs> Can't even say it. Uh
0: so I have yeah, so on the
1: way to church. Listen. To on you. the way to
0: church, you know, just gather the family. It'll be fine. <laughs> <Gather the family. laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, new episodes uh sun every week on Sundays and plenty of episodes to go back and revisit and check out so you should all go do that because that would be really awesome of you thanks
1: <laughs> thanks yes <laughs> go do that i on the other hand i love you pandora <laughs> but- <laughs> sorry it's just a reactionary thing you can cut that if you want <laughs> <laughs> i know that that is one of our most popular places that people listen to this podcast (laughs) just as much as I love bubbly water (laughs) but this is Erin you can follow me on Twitter at E April Beauty the E and the A and the B are capitalized be sure to like the show on Facebook at facebook.com slash it's a fandom thing pod on Twitter at fandom thing pod no it's in that one on Instagram at it's a fandom thing pod on TikTok at It's a Fandom Thing Pod. If you have any feedback, if you'd like to be a potential interview guest on the show, John Waters, feel free to reach out to us via our website, it's a fandom thing Click the contact us button, and that'll shoot us an email, and we'll be in touch. Or you can reach out to us directly at it's a fandom thing pod at gmail.com. And on our next episode, we are wrapping up Pride Month with a look at Lady Gaga, which if you know Lady Gaga's acting work, you'll know why I'm going to have to think of something new with Finn Whitrock cuz they've literally been in their characters in bed together. <laughs> and she she has she has oh, the thing she did to Tristan. Anyway, <laughs> unforgivable.
0: Unforgivable, um, yeah. But I
1: love Lady Gaga a lot, so we'll be talking about her music. And her acting. We're going to be focusing um, mainly with the acting. We're going to focus on A Star is Born. So get ready. Because you have no idea how much I love this movie. So <laughs> be prepared. It's it's the Finn level of fanning. The Christian Bale level of fanning. the wow. That kind of stuff. I mean, really, wow, I just I love that movie so much. Right on and right. we'll be talking about, of course, uh, American Horror Story. And then means i have to watch this house of gucci so (laughs) have you watched that yet or have you no i've been avoiding it because it looks horrible i'm sorry and i hate jared leto with a burning passion and i'm not an al pacino fan so
0: (laughs) yeah i you know i i've some of the accusations towards Jared, Leto, yeah, they, they're, they're new to me. So I hadn't heard them before. And so in kind of looking at him, cause I think maybe you had tweeted something, it was like something that had gone around for a while of like, Oh yeah. And you know this about Jared Leto. So go ahead and and Google Jared Leto in 15 years. Yes, and I'm right. like, Oh, that's a trap. <laughs> and, but I did. And I was like, that's a lot of articles. That's a lot. And how is he still working? Sorry. Well, I'll stop, but. No, yeah, it's ew. true. It's true.
1: That's why there's also a part that's like, maybe we shouldn't talk about it because it's Jared Leto. I mean, like when we talked about my so-called life, I thought it was a little bit different because that was before anybody knew a lot of that stuff. But of course, I mean, he's he's a white male. So, I mean, yeah, yeah uh, he's gross. And he's gross even beyond the the accusations and the predator stuff. Mm-hmm. He's gross. He's just not a cool person. So that's part of the – and he's not a good actor, I don't think, either. So, frankly, I mean (laughs) – so we might – I might change my mind on that because of that. So I bet I've been contemplating that. So, um, But we're also going to talk about her music and um, her activism and stuff and and what she means to the community. We'll be talking about that. And that's going to be a live stream. I'm bending the rules and letting four people be on that. Hopefully (sighs) I don't regret this, but (laughs) – Okay. i will i will <laughs> jen's like you are gonna regret this <laughs> and carla is one of the four people i love you Carla. <laughs> you already lovingly regret it no <laughs> <laughs> I, I know but it'll, no, that'll it'll be good though it'll be that'll fun be. it'll be a good live stream and it'll be talking about music again and we recently had a listener ask us to be covering more bands and more music and so we are going to be later on this year we're going to be talking about Depeche Mode we're going to be talking about Violent Femmes if I can find any of my panelists to be on it we'll be talking about New Order if not maybe we'll be talking about another (laughs) man I'm not I'm not knowledgeable enough (laughs) it's fine I got it I'll take over no (laughs) And we're going to be talking about 90s music, also late, late, late in the year. So we do have more music coming up. We will be talking about that. So, um, But also, we are going to be back with a What We Are Into episode. So that, of course, will be giving you lots of podcast, music, books, and television and film recommendations. All that you can handle. I love those episodes. That will probably be live, too. So we'll be doing two live streams this weekend since this is dropping friday so look for those and look for those episodes to drop next week so until next time remember it's a fandom thing black lives matter and stop asian hate
0: hey podcast listener